Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, aging, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human in this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling, and I hope you enjoyed listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Hi everyone, thank you for listening today. Great conversation ahead. I am here with Gabriella Espinosa, who joins me from uh, far away in the USA. And Gabriella is a women's empowerment and sexuality coach. And today we're going to talk about midlife women, midlife pleasure, midlife sexuality, and all the great things that happen to us in our midlife transition, which is, I think, one of the most transformational times of our life. And, of course, there are many times in our life where we can pursue some inner work or explore um, when we're going through transformation. But the most amazing thing about our midlife transition is it's like it's designed into our journey. And if we don't pursue it, it brings stuff up for us to, to, to pursue because it's so much a healing journey and our body-mind has the most incredible wisdom and is just oriented to heal and it will bring stuff up for us. So that's what we're talking about today. So thank you for joining me, Gabriella. Thank you so much, Kelly. And I was, yes, nodding my head because (laughs) everything you said, everything you said resonated so much. I I love um, talking about midlife and all things pleasure. And yes, this is our moment. This is our moment, I feel, to embrace embrace pleasure and um, a newfound sense of of, um, sexual pleasure for sure. Mm. So you work with women in midlife around their sexuality, around finding pleasure, around empowering themselves. Tell us a little bit about you and how did you get to this place where you're working? What has been your journey from, you know, because I know you taught yoga for many years and Mm -hmm. your midlife transition to share a little bit with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Well, my, my work, um, a little bit like yours, right, lies at the intersection of embodiment, um, Eastern traditional wisdom, uh, female sexuality, and menopausal health. And it's really been informed by my own journey, which I'll, I'll talk about, and by, you know, the clients that I serve. You know, I've been in this space for over 15 years, guiding women to reconnect to their bodies and love themselves more and really just their feedback, what they share with me as a result of the practices that I share with them. Um, And I, you know, some of the things that come up for me and come up for my clients is that in the midlife transition and menopause, you know, what does this mean for me? You know, Emma, you know, the, the, the ageist beliefs that just permeate our society, right? Does this mean we're going to become more invisible, unattractive, undesirable? All those, you know, issues around confidence come up and who am I as a sexual, sensual being? And I really feel that midlife can be a new chapter in our sexual lives. You know, we don't Mm. have to worry about contraception, not being defined by our reproductive capacities. There is Mm -hmm. a new sense of liberation and freedom. And our own um, exploration of pleasure and sexuality during this time can be a tool for our own awakening. Um, But it all starts with you. You alluded to the, you know, the inner work, the most important relationship you have is the one with your yourself. And it, you know, connection with another can't begin um, until you know yourself first. And so I, for me, menopause really provided this this beautiful invitation to, to become more intimate with myself, you know, asking myself these deep questions, you know, who am I? How do I want to express 
all this lived experience, everything that I've lived and experienced, um, you know, who am I as a sensual or sexual being? How do I want to love and be loved? And how do I want to feel and just be in the second half of life? And I just feel that's the invitation that midlife and menopause has to offer us. And um, I agree. Yeah. Those are the, those are the big questions. <laughs> what, and did always have, to answer. What, what came up for you when you started your midlife transition? Like, how did you experience yes, the, well, the feeling I, that we all get? I just didn't recognize myself anymore. Right. Mm. I didn't recognize the woman I had become. I, you know, I moved from, you know, being um, all the things that were expected to me of me as a woman, you know, fulfilling my traditional roles as a mother, a wife. I had very, you know, and then and then those, you know, the the feeling that I could do it all. Right. I could do it all. Be the perfect mom, the perfect wife you know, provide everything to my kids that I what didn't have myself. And mm. you know, I thought about this, you know, that commercial, I can't remember what product it was, but you know, it's like, you know, the, the song that went like, you know, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, I can be a woman, you know, all those things, right? Mm. That's, that's what that was the song that kept, you know, replaying in my head. Mm. as I was living through womanhood right and I just ended up exhausted yeah <laughs> exhausted realizing that I just I just couldn't do it anymore and I I lost that spark mm. that's I mean I I I I feel like I did move through my 20s and 30s um really feeling um in touch with my sexuality um feeling you know, sexually liberated and really enjoying it. And then um, I got, you know, went quickly from, you know, being in, well, why I, and then pursuing a, a career that I loved, right? I was in the corporate world for a while and traveling all over the world and mm. to be all things. And then quickly, you know, met um, my husband in my mid 30s. So was ready, you know, ready to settle down. And mm -hmm. um, and then it happened very quickly, just went from falling in love, you know, having kids, you know, establishing sort of a traditional family life. It all happened very quickly, I feel, because I felt there was that biological clock ticking and I had to yeah. get, it done, get it done, just like, you know, everything else. And um, yeah, that spark, that inner spark slowly started to diminish and dim. And I arrived to midlife, just having a good look at myself in the mirror and just asking those questions, who am I, mm. right? And who am I as a sexual, sensual being? And I felt like I had to, I always, I often say that I had to orphan that part of myself. She just didn't fit in this traditional, you know, cookie cutter mold that I mold that I was trying to desperately trying to fit into um do you, you know, think and, any of us do though do you think any of us actually fit in like I I there's a part of me that thinks like it's kind of manufactured by advertising and a lot oh, of us look at it and then think what the hell is wrong with me and it's like well no one fits into that no for sure I don't think um we try, we try. I mean, I desperately mm. tried to be the soccer mom, the baking cookies, all of that. A lot of it, I mean, it came from my own upbringing. I mm. so desperately wanted to have, um, provide my family with a different, you know, childhood or upbringing. Yeah. Have I grew up with a single mom who was trying to make ends meet. She was constantly frazzled and <laughs> hypervigilant trying to protect her daughters. Um, and it was, you know, it was, I, I wanted something different. So I was mm -hmm. just trying to create, and, and my, and my husband too, you know, we grew up, we, our parents immigrated to the U S from Latin America. So they yes. came to pursue that, you know, American dream and work hard. And, you know, it, we wanted a different life for our kids and, you know, than our parents, even though we had, you know, great lives. I mean, I think I had a great upbringing, you know, it was, you know, my mother did the best that she could, but we wanted something different for our kids. 
Um, and that constant striving and doing and pushing and, you know, wanting more (laughs) that just drove me to exhaustion, right? Mm. Drove me to exhaustion. And, and, you know, I didn't ask for much help or support from, from my husband. I thought I could do it all. I thought I could, I really took it upon myself to do it all. And I just ended up exhausted ended up with an autoimmune condition, um, mm-hmm. Graves hyperthyroid, which then quickly, um, you know, because of the symptoms around um, hyperthyroidism, I think it really accelerated my my transition into menopause because oh, it, yeah, okay. it, it speeds up all the metabolic processes in your body. Yes, yeah. And so I quickly went from that into perimenopause and menopause. Um, and it was just such a confusing time. I didn't know what was going on. Mm. So um, yeah, I quickly realized after that good look in the mirror that I had to do something, you know, I felt this kind of nudge, right? Because that, that, that sense of pleasure and sexuality and you know connection to my sexuality was there but it had just been dimmed and so much that something something was something was waking up something was nudging at me to to pursue it yeah. and so I um began to to do that right it wasn't it wasn't really linear my reclaiming of my own sexuality it took lots of turns and twists and there was a lot of resistance a lot of shame coming up is this the right thing to do you know I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to be you know a mom and you know can I be both can I be a mother and sexual sexual being being. all all those questions came up for me and they're yes rooted in you know our social and cultural conditioning in my own um, family of origin, you know, um, um, beliefs, I feel. And um, it was, it was hard. It was, it was, it was tough. Mm. But, um, you know, again, it was just that constant little nudge, you can do it, you know, something from inside me just told me to, to keep, to keep going. And so, um, that's what I did. I I dug, I dove deep into embodiment practices. I studied with um, uh, a very well-known intimacy and embodiment teacher, Michaela Bohm, um, mm-hmm. in Amsterdam. I was living in London at the time and would just spend a one week a month studying with her and learning these beautiful practices of Mm. just very gentle, beautiful practices of sensory awareness, connecting with my senses and just enjoying simple little pleasures, really. It was more about relaxation and sensitizing my nervous system, reconnecting simple pleasures and life. And then, you know, once I was able to, you know, gather the capacity because I entered this exploration feeling on empty. Then once I yeah. gathered tea to hold more in my system, I was able to go and experience and explore deeper practices of of um, of exploring my sexuality through touch, through movement, through breaths. Starting a self pleasure practice, which I had never even heard of before. Um, so. Uh, all of that was just a beautiful and deep exploration. But again, it was met with a lot of resistance because of, you know. How did that the- show up for you, the resistance? How did you experience that? I, um, you know, there were times where I just completely couldn't show up for myself. You know, we were given simple little practices to do at home on our mm-hmm. own. And I, and, you know, I could, I had always loved movement and dance. That was always a natural expression for me. So I could do that. I could definitely mm. do the somatic movement practices, mm-hmm. connect to my inner world of emotions and sensations. Um, but sometimes I would just, I couldn't even, I can't even explain it. I would just kind of butt up some kind of resistance that, mm. that um, it was kind of like unearthing, sort of old wounds and that I had held that I had shut down you know that yeah. I had just well they would have been coming out during because of the movement like it just brings up yes. so much stuff doesn't it they were all of that was coming up for me all of that was coming up for me so I couldn't move into pleasure without dealing with all of that that was coming up for me so, you yeah. know or 
childhood experiences, yes. my parents splitting up. Yeah. Uh, some of them were more kind of generational things that I that I sensed coming up in my body mm. and all that I had to deal with. So I had to, you know, pause sometimes and work with a therapist and look at all of that that was coming up for me. I worked with um a somatic therapist with an internal family systems therapist mm -hmm. and looked at all of that and it was painful right it was painful and absolutely a lot had to be so the practices were wonderful in terms of allowing me to release a lot of the holding you know the yes. emotional stronghold that um my body was was experiencing as a result of um all of that stuff coming up to the surface and then once i was able to to do that i could orient towards pleasure i could yeah. orient pleasure more yeah. yeah so it was like i said it was non-linear some i had to stop and start stop and start and um yeah, you know it's like i think our bodies they need a bit of a rest sometimes don't they like there's a lot to integrate and and i'm sure you experience i mean i've definitely experienced this you know when you're going through that journey you know, your, your body tells you in many ways, it just gets really tired or, you know, like you say, resistance. It's sort of sometimes we've got to put the, the movement down or the pleasure practices down and just kind of lie down, literally, don't we? Or go and talk to someone about it, what's coming up for us. Uh, absolutely. Uh, but I, I had never really experienced the you know how profound it was it could be to just sit with those feelings and just mm. do nothing I mean I think my practice for a good amount of time was just you know lying over one of those big yoga bolsters and just yeah. hands on body just hand on heart hand on belly yeah. and just breathing right just breathing and and tuning into just the discomfort of it all right mm. the discomfort of it all and marinating in it marinating in it yes and that was my practice for a long time and it continues to be my practice uh so it um you know there's so much growth and transformation that can happen when we can sit with that discomfort and yeah. i also found once I was able to do that, something that I realized was I just didn't have a, a language <laughs> to describe any of it. That's yeah. what was so confusing. And that's what I know you do so beautifully with somatic experiencing. And that's yeah. what somatic experiencing taught me. It gave me a, a language. language. The a language, language of the body. The language of exactly. the body. Exactly. And learning that language just shifted things so powerfully for me because I, I I was able to actually get my needs met. I was actually able to communicate yes. what I was experiencing. I was able to get to a point where I could describe my desires and my wants and my needs and really mm. ask for what I want and also um, establish clear and firm boundaries, which I had no clue about. Yeah, I, I totally... About get what you're saying I think you know and I think this is part of the big one of the big midlife lessons for us because it is about coming back to the absolute essence of who we are but that you know like you say we have to know what we want first right and and, and that is really important when it comes to pleasure and sexuality but it also and my, any of my clients who are listening will know because I tell them this all the time, it's really hard to reinforce your boundaries if you don't know what you want. Mm. It's really Absolutely. hard if you're not mm. clear on your desires. Yeah, I think it's a really, really hard one. So let's, um, let's talk about pleasure a little bit. So one thing that... Um, that I kind of realised early in my 40s, going through the same thing as you, running out of energy and trying to do everything, was, and just through actually, you know, having acupuncture and talking to Chinese doctors and all this, was 
we're only born with a certain amount of chi, life force energy, and a lot of us don't learn how to replenish it. And I think that's probably the beautiful thing that Michaela Bohm would have taught you is like those replenishment practices. And a big part of, of us replenishing it is through our pleasure practices. And pleasure is, you know, it's our birthright. Like we have so much shame around that word, but, but our body has two basic orientations towards pleasure and pain. And that's how we work out what's good for us and what's not good for us. That's how we consolidate in our memory. You know, don't eat the leaf in the garden. It's going to make you sick. It's, it's, it's actually just such a foundational part of being a human yet we hold a lot of shame around it because of cultural conditioning. Mm. Um, tell me about what, how you feel about pleasure and how it nourishes us and supports us and, and how it's supportive in our midlife journey and beyond. Mm. Yeah, I know. I love, I love that question. Um, I just feel that when we're connected to our, um, well, first of all, I know that you you believe this, but this you know the, this idea of um, pleasure always residing within us, right? We have there is that that sense of goodness, that sense of pleasure is always there, but we tend to squash it down by being, doing, pushing, striving, and um, we lose that sense of connection with with our pleasure, and so. Um, I find that especially as we move into midlife and we're navigating hormonal fluctuations, the physiological changes of menopause, um, what often shows it is that um, our, um, first of all, is that we, 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 the sense of disconnect from our bodies and our pleasure, but then mm -hmm. So we need to create what I call, you know, new pleasure pathways where yes. our bodies are asking for more yes. gentleness, you know, more time. Um, we need more time, more tenderness, um, more, um, you know, more time to get aroused, to mm -hmm. work up um, a sense of um, arousal in our body, of desire. And I, I think a lot of women feel that they, 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 they're not aware of this. So they feel something is wrong with them, right? They feel mm. that they or they need to be fixed. They're not aware that our arousal patterns change because our bodies are changing. Mm -hmm. And so our bodies and emotional system are asking for that gentleness, for that tenderness, um, that wasn't a priority when when we were younger, starting a family, you know, doing a career, doing all the things that were expected of us. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned before, at the end of the day, we're, we're exhausted, overwhelmed, disconnected from our bodies and our pleasure. And then when we try to come to this work of reconnecting, reclaiming our sexuality, we do so with that same goal-oriented intensity <laughs> that got yes. us in the first place. And it just doesn't work. Our our nervous systems, female nervous systems, are not primed from for pleasure from a place of doing, going, or achieving, you know, yeah. achieving the O. Although I'm all for, you know, having them. They're so good for us orgasms. But they... It doesn't, um, it doesn't work when you set the goal of orgasm. No, no. Um, I think it puts so much pressure on us, the performance of pressure. I feel like, you know, we start faking orgasms yeah. you know, a lot of women share with me that they do that and we don't and like I said when we don't get to that point we, we don't cross that finish line we feel we're broken we feel we need to we're, we're dissatisfied with our relationships for not getting us there yeah and, and it's all around us way right the way female pleasure has been depicted in movies or in porn or in Cosmo magazine or, um, you know, just feeling like there should be this magic button that we can press <laughs> and all bells go ringing, right? Um, but when it comes to intimacy, it really requires less pressure. It really requires relaxation Station. and sensitizing the nervous system. And when it comes to intimacy with a partner, it really requires trust, communications, curiosity, 
and um, consent, right? That's something that I learned a lot in um, as an adult, right? This whole language around consent and even in a long-term relationship, you know, I've been married 21 years. It wasn't something that I introduced until much later. And it's totally been a game changer. And, it, and a lot has to do with my being able to have a language with which to express um, what I wanted, yeah. right? So station is so, so key. It goes a long way to experiencing deep, satisfying pleasure, more so than the latest trick or technique, right? It's all about relaxation and sensitizing our nervous systems key to experiencing full body pleasure. So I use that as a starting point with a lot of the clients that I work with. It's the starting point that I um, use with myself and my self-pleasure practice, relaxation, sensitization, sensitization, and asking consent of myself too, right? Asking consent of my body. Is there a yes or or no, no, right? And so it what all. What does that feel like? What does a yes or a no feel like? Exactly. And we, are, so, we are. Um, we've kind of had it bashed out of us, haven't we? Like what? Like just to be tuning in. Yeah, that you know, a big yes to that or a big no or maybe. I always think maybe is like often a no, but we just there's a little niggly thing in there when it's a maybe. Mm. Yeah, I find that a lot of women don't know how to do that deep mm. listening for mm. that yes or that no, right? And it really, like I said at the beginning, it all starts with you getting to know your body. Um, so, you know, I guide women through a lot of practices um, as they begin their self-pleasure practice, just very simple touch practices to get to know um, their non-erogenous zones, First, to know what lights them up, and then slowly, slowly, you know, as we be by, as we sensitize, we move into more um, erogenous zones. But just really getting to know what lights you up, um, really being able to um, own our own pleasure. What my my teacher calls becoming um, sexually self sufficient. Right, mm, I love that because <laughs> because in this way we come into relationship. Um, ourselves with ourselves from a place of of fullness right then from a place of needing or lacking and I think that's so so important right yeah. but it's something that we we haven't learned I, I my generation you know of women have, have you know I I didn't learn that right no, it was all absolutely about what was being portrayed in the movies about men giving you the pleasure it was all about you know a very heteronormative P in the V, yeah. penis, and, penis, penis sex, and vagina and, sex, yeah. Right, and it yeah. wasn't all about. It wasn't about what you needed, the time that you needed, this gentleness, this slowness. Um, it wasn't about that. It was just all about getting to the O. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, you know pleasures. I just think from a nervous system perspective, it's very expansive energy, and when we're um, just on the go all the time and we have a lot of adrenaline and cortisol in our system that's like we get that fight and flight constriction mm. and bracing like we're in this constant bracing right and that is constrictive energy so if you're in this kind of constrictive place all the time we have to start really slowly this is why Gabriella starts slowly why I do with people because expansion can feel overwhelming to a nervous system that's been in constriction for a really long time mm-hmm. and so the slowness and gentleness is essential to build your you know your pleasure muscles or your expansive muscle muscles so in the same way if we were trying a new exercise you know we're building these new neural pathways that you're talking about and that just requires a bit of slowness and gentleness like you wouldn't lift weights seven days a week when you start you'd start on one kilo and, you know, go from there. And, and it doesn't have to be like overly sexual. It can be sensual. Absolutely. Sensual pleasure is like so beautiful at, um, at filling our cup, isn't it? Yes. And it, as I said earlier, it's just, um, you know, focusing on those simple pleasures, noticing how, how they, 
what, how your body responds to them and staying with that feeling. It could be, you know, a cup of tea, a walk in nature. Yes. Um, just a very simple, you know. It's like smelling the tea. Exactly. I've got, I've got lemon. I've got a cup of tea. You can't see, but Gabriella can see me. I've got ginger and lemon and honey. It's very nice. Those simple, I think I mentioned, I've mentioned to you when I was going through my chemotherapy treatment because it's so brutal and so hard on the body. Um, so anyone who's listening, who's, who's had treatment for cancer, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm a sexuality coach. What if this really fries my nervous system and I can't have, you know, sex ever again? Or, you know, that was my kind of little worry. But what I decided to do was do just central practices every day, um, depending on how I was going. And so sometimes that was just really being present and mindful about eating really great food. Mm. It was smelling the nice cup of tea. Sometimes it was a little bit of gentle movement to music. Like I just picked one thing every day for 10 mm -hmm. to 15 minutes. And what I found um, when I... So you go through a period where you finish your treatment where, you know, your body just takes a few months to recover. And many people um, who I've worked with who've had cancer have always said, yeah, it takes six to eight weeks and you start to kind of really pick up. And I remember that day so clearly where it was probably about eight weeks after I'd finished my treatment. I, it was like, I was high on life. Like I felt my life force energy come back. and. Mm -hmm. How I experienced that was just like my five senses were just like in multicolor for me. And I thought, God, this is better than any drug I've ever taken in my 20s. Not that I took that many. But anyway, I was just, wow, this is amazing. And, and off I went from there. But to me, you know, it was proof that if we just stay tapped into those practice, sensuality practices, even when we're feeling like really, really low, and, and barely making it through the day, it helps. Helps all the time. Absolutely. And just, just bringing awareness to those practices and noticing how how they feel and light you up. And I think what a gift it was, because I, I think you mentioned to me before when you were going through your treatment, you had no choice but to be fully present to your body, right? You would, you yeah. could, you could the past you couldn't think of the future you had to be fully present to sensation on every level yeah it's a gift of illness i will say <laughs> is pre is it forces you to be completely present yeah absolutely absolutely and i feel that um that is where um our modern world you know robs us of that um opportunity to just slow down and be present and we're just constantly on the go um when you know the truth is when you like you experience when you open yourself to more pleasure you you gain more confidence more mm -hmm. presence more lightness and you feel more empowered and connected to your body and this helps keep your nervous system happy it's just as simple as that it, it takes you out of fight and flight and takes you out of freeze and um and just but also you can when you go to those states because they're there for a reason to keep us safe you're okay with them do you know exactly. and you, can, you can stay yes. present to them and go oh like i'm feeling a bit spacey this morning what mm -hmm. can i do to move myself out of there a little bit like what practices or i'm oh, really cooking today feeling that sort of flight energy and how can i kind of regulate myself so even doing those practices helps you be with when you go into those survival states and work with it in a more mindful way. Yeah. Okay. Um, you have done the training with Miss Jaya around erotic embodiment. And I'm very curious to talk about this because I love her work. And I remember the first time uh, I found her and did her survey and um my oh, did you do the blueprint quiz? No, no, I, just, I just did the blueprint quiz, like the sort of big one. And I, 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 and I wasn't surprised. Like I'm an energetic and then sensual is sort of my next. And I went, oh, yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was kind of going through my history like, oh, yeah, okay. But it's, I think this is fantastic for couples in particular or just actually anyone to understand what their erotic blueprint is. Can you talk about that and how it helps people? 
Sure, sure. Well, the erotic blueprints are a way to understand who we are as erotic beings. So mm. erotic, the root of, er, I mean, the word being eros, our life force energy, mm -hmm. right? And so they are roadmaps to under um, to understand your body, your path to arousal, your turn-ons and your turn-offs. And so, um, as you mentioned, they were developed by Miss Jaya, who trained as a somatic sexologist and sexological body worker. Um, mm -hmm. She was influenced by the work of Jack Morin, who was the author of The Erotic Mind. Um, and so they they both base their model not on dysfunction. So they don't believe, you know, Jaya doesn't believe that we come into relationship with another with mismatched desires or, you know, lack of libido, right? It's really a matter of finding um, what is what are you erotically, sensually wired for? And mm. um, it's all about exploring um, erotic possibilities for us as humans, for ourselves and in connection with another. So when we, um, and it's just also to understand that we're wired in different ways, right? And yes. understand and appreciating how we're wired in different ways. The same way, you know, your partner can like, pizza and you yeah. like when you you know you prefer you know a, a caesar salad right and so it's just and appreciating that you know appreciating how we're wired differently in terms of our our personalities and um you know attachment styles but also erotically and in terms of our arousal systems and so everyone has a primary blueprint and a secondary blueprint and your primary blueprint is your primary way of experience pleasure and mm. your sexual and erotic superpowers are. Mm. And then your secondary blueprint plays more of a minor role in your arousal. Um, so understanding what your body is telling you, um, understanding what you're wired for really helps you come into this place of embodiment, really helps you get out of your head and, and into it's your body. body. And, yeah, and so there are five erotic blueprints, um, and uh, they are the energetic blueprint, right, which is, you know, they get turned on with space and longing and presence, just, you know, eye gazing, and I'm looking at your eyes, and I just love it, <laughs> <laughs> just by describing, yeah. by describing of this you know they 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 long for anticipation and the build-up and the tease and um you know their their super powers are that they are able to experience you know full body turn on um and go into these altered states of mm. of arousal and orgasm um just without any physical touch right without any physical touch um i think it's an amazing gift and but but the each blueprint has a shadow, right? So the shadow of the energetic is that, you know, uh, and I feel as I've become more familiar with nervous system work, um, I feel I'm becoming more energetic. But I, because I also notice the shadow aspect is that we can become overwhelmed with too much touch, yeah. too much stimulation. Yeah. Um, so we need to allow time for this slow buildup and arousal, especially in relationship to a, with a partner, right? We can easily shut down if we are feeling that our partner is either not fully present or if they're coming on too strongly. Yes. Right. Yes. And um, the other blueprint is a such the sensual blueprint, which, as you know, the name suggests, is turned on by all the five senses: music, textures, food, light, um, and. The sensual also requires a little bit more buildup and, um, you know, their superpowers are that they can, you know, get turned on from anything that stimulates their senses, even, you know, beautiful sunsets. I don't know if you saw, there was an article, I don't know if it was on the BBC or somewhere where there was this woman at this concert, this this, I don't know if it was the, some BBC concert or something. Um, and in the middle of this concert, they heard this loud scream in the audience. And this woman was <laughs> full body organs just from listening to this incredible 
music. Amazing. So you can get turned on from tuning into your senses. But the shadow aspects are that they can get stuck in their heads and yeah. pulled out of the moment, especially if anything is out of off in their environment. So um do you find you know, that a lot of women essential? Like yes, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally essential. And I, I, you know, I can, I, when I recognize that this was a shadow, I'm like, that's interesting, right? I can, if the lighting is not just right, or the music yeah. is not, right, or um, I can just disconnect. I can just mm. disconnect or if I'm not being touched in a certain way. But when you recognize that as the same, in the same way that we teach you teach people with nervous system regulation practices is that you can pause you know you can have pause and just say you know what I need a little bit of this I need a little bit of more of that and um, recognizing that that that's how you're wired and if you're you know allowing your partner to meet you um, where you are is so so important so and having and when we look you know, learn our blueprints. There's a whole language associated with each of the blueprints. Yeah. So you use the language to, as they use, as they say in blueprint, speak to, to feed yourself, to get fed yes. in your blueprint. So a lot of us are starved. A lot of our goes, yes. a lot of us around being starved in our own erotic wiring because we don't know how to use the language to to express what we're wired for and um we don't know how to ask for what we want absolutely um, yeah that's i love i mean what it's missjaya.com isn't it her website yeah Miss Jaya. If, you, if you want to do the survey you can go onto her website and take the text. I can give you the link. I'll give you the link. So hopefully you can. Um, we can put it in. But I just think it's okay. one of the most helpful tools when it comes to our sexuality. But also to get your partner to do it if you have a partner. It's super helpful. It's like a nice platform to open conversation about it and to sort of discover, you know, what each other likes and, and then sort of reflect Absolutely. on how you are together. And especially as you touched on before, you know, like the women, the rhythms of our desire change as we go through different phases of our life. So what, what worked for us in our 20s and then our 30s, a lot of women find, and no one talks about this except for us sexuality coaches, that, that our rhythm really changes when we go through our perimenopause, menopause, and, and just the whole midlife transition in general and probably will again. And that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think, I think I always say that our sexuality um, gets an upgrade. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with you. It's an upgrade, especially if you do take the time to get to know yourself, um, establish a self-pleasure practice, get to know what you're wired to for erotically and also um, get to know if you're in partnership, but do it for yourself first, but, you know, get to know if you're in partnership to know what your partner is wired for and being able to create a beautiful and a beautiful um, language, right. That you can express um, your needs and desires. It's all about that language of desire, which I feel the blueprints teach so beautifully and really getting to know yourself, what lights you up and um, having a sense of curiosity and fun. I mean, we, we, we're so free of any yes. concerns right now in midlife. So it's really, play. I mean, sex is how we play, play. isn't it? Adults. And I think um, going back to the blueprints, the other blueprints just quickly are a sexual blueprint, um, kinky blueprint, and a shapeshifter, which means that you're all of it. And even something like kinky can, you know, it can be anything that's considered taboo, you know, out of the norm or forbidden for you. It can be anything like trying a different sexual, you know, position, right? Mm. Um, so it's not all about <laughs> the whips, leathers, and chains. It's really mm. about being that being curious and playful and trying new and new different things. things. Our bodies, as you Love know, it. novelty, right? Yeah. We need novelty. And so um, adding, exploring those erotic edges and allowing yourself to, to play with that sense of curiosity about your erotic potential 
can definitely upgrade your 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 pleasure potential for sure in in midlife but you have to have that that sense of curiosity and playfulness i think yeah and just bringing it back to the nervous system again you know when we're in do 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 go 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 strive 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 and we we are have a lot of stress hormones running around we're not in that place in our nervous system the ventral vagal which is all about curiosity connection like it brings us out of there and that's why relaxation is so important because Mm. when we relax we can get into that part of our nervous system which wants to connect which is curious which wants to connect with other humans so you know I've said this many times when we're producing lots of stress hormones it's very hard to produce sex hormones because they have a biological conflict going on there. You need to be saved. Your body's not want to have sex when you're in that kind of survival mode all the time. Just doesn't work that way. Let's talk a little bit about culture and cultural conditioning. And um, I, you know, I feel that our internal narrative, our internalized belief systems around aging, sexuality, sensuality, get thrust in our face in our midlife transition. For us to deconstruct and kind of really understand. So we've talked a little bit about culture today. You know, so much of what we've learned, as you've alluded to, from popular culture is through the lens of the male body, which does not work for many of us and we've been doing that for a long time and I you know in this in this kind of vein of midlife is being the journey back to ourselves I feel like our body says to us when it comes to our desire and arousal I'm not doing that anymore like let's let's get real about what we need and when I say we I'm touching my body but it's like our body mind speaking to us going okay let's sort this out Mm-hmm. no more pretending so all the tools that you and I have talked about so far will bring us back there but what you know how do how do you see that show up because I feel like that's the first sign for a lot of women that um I mean you talked about it with yourself like hey something's not right here right and and just going and doing that inner work or exploring but it's I feel that a lot of the anger or the feistiness that comes at this stage is a lot about, you know, finally we're seeing all the injustice or we're seeing like that, that sort of patriarchal masculine lens going, uh, no, this doesn't work for me. But it's really confusing, especially when it's not been something that's been talked about. And it just impacts every part of our life, doesn't it? Hmm. Well, there, there's so little we've been taught about female pleasure. And, um, you know, we were, we've been taught to fear it, that, that there's yeah. something wrong with female pleasure. And so, you know, and, and, you know, and all the, you know, the, the stereotypes that are out there of a woman who is fully in, you know, owning her pleasure, right? You know, she can be called names and a slut, a whore, right? All those words that exist in our culture that just are ridiculous, right? And so I think there is a big source of shame when we come into this work. I mean, I meet, I see that with a lot of the women that I work with, how do we just remove that shame that we hold in our bodies that's been there for such a long time it could be just one thing it could have been your your you know your mother walking in on you when you were about pleasuring as a child or even you touching as a little girl you know boys were allowed to touch their penises mm-hmm. and you would just laugh and you know giggle about it um but girls, no, no, you can't touch yourself there. And, you know, you can't dress like that and you can't yes. know this or that. Um, and so I think uh, we, we, in that, we internalize that as shame. So, so much of the work that I do with women is just, re, you know, confronting that shame, how we hold that shame in our bodies. And it's, yeah. it's tough, it's tough. And, and then, 
especially with women in midlife, because we hold that shame in our body and then we arrive to midlife and we see that our bodies have changed. Yes. Same yes. coupled with the change in our bodies. Um, oh, it's so, so, um, it's very so confronting. Painful. Very confronting and to unravel um, takes takes time, takes a lot of gentleness and a lot of compassion that you must um, establish with your body. Really seeing, you know, it's this befriending your body that you teach, right? Um, that we all do with, with embodiment work is coming back into our body, befriending our body, seeing our bodies as an ally and just being marveling at how amazing our bodies are and what they've done for us to to get us this far and that you know aging is a privilege not everyone gets to do it um it, it really but, is yeah. yeah but i feel the more that we get we, the more we know about our bodies the better we can advocate for ourselves both in the bedroom in the doctor's office and um it all starts with getting to know the most intimate part of ourselves. So, you Absolutely. know, actually when we're heading into um, menopause, we experience a lot of change to our intimate areas, our vulvas, our vaginas. Yes. Um, and women also don't have a language, right? Even just teaching the basics, right? What, you know, body literacy. <laughs> yeah, to I, I agree with you. Like there's not good literacy around just our pelvis, the pel the structural part of it, our gynecological uh, and reproductive organs. I also get so, I think that really drives me crazy and I don't know the answer to it, but within our pelvis, we have, you know, pelvic health, sexual health and gynecological health. And they're all treated medically by different practitioners. Mm -hmm, and I mm -hmm. think, you know, like this, it's so complex and that there's never this, it's it's changing you know there's a lot of pelvic floor physios that are being trained in a more holistic view but even the way that they treat it segments it out and I'm like can't you look at it systemically hmm. you know, like it just yeah anyway well, that's, this, my, that's my little yeah. bug but no and I and you're that is so so true and it is confusing it is confusing and that's why mm. You are so confused and you're, you know, you're, um, you're constantly looking for different people to support you. And it's, it's really tricky. Uh, so, and, and that also kind of reinforces this kind of, I can't go there, right. I can't go there because, you know, I not, I can't get one, you know, a straight answer from my doctor. So I can't figure this thing out. So it becomes this mystery, this comp that we're, we reinforces this idea that we're so complicated and complex, right? When yeah, it is. We're just, we're just too much of a hassle. And then we treat our body like too much of a hassle. Right. So we just think, oh, I'm just going to ignore it because I'm so tired and I've got too many other things to think about. But to your point, I feel that when you get to know your pussy better and you learn to listen to your body mind, like you just you just know you have this sense of knowing about what's going on and what's not going on. And you're able to differentiate with, you know, so much more nuance in your body about what is what and what is not. And then you have better conversations with your health practitioners about it and I don't know about you but I want to go into those conversations like a bit empowered and knowing and being able to have it more like it's my body this is a collaborative relationship I'm having with mm -hmm. you as my health practitioner about my body mm -hmm. absolutely and uh you know when when you I know when I first went into um, seek support from a doctor when I was going through menopause, never, never, never did the issue of um, my sexual health, the the condition or the state of my vulva, my vagina, that none of that came up, right? None of that came up when that was what was the most literally burning issue for me at the time. Um, and it was just like, I, I didn't have the language to do it, but I, I managed to blurt something out. You know, it's like, you know, it's just like, so, you know, I think I was crying almost close to tears with my doctor. And I was like, you know, I just, I, my just, sex is not working for me anymore. What can I do? Is this menopause? Mm. And, um, you know, I don't know. It was so dismissive. I don't know. It was just like, have some, just have some <laughs> 
a glass of champagne and oh, everything. It's just like alcohol. It's just like, no, no that's, that's it. Yeah, so, yeah. I didn't know how to deal with this type Ooh, of They're not trained. They're, they're not, not trained, trained for it. They're not trained so for it at all. That's mm. why they come to us, Kelly. Yeah, that's, that's why they come to us. <laughs> right. Oh, I, 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 I'm just looking at the time. We've got it. We have to wind up, unfortunately, and I just want to keep talking to you. We'll have to maybe do a second podcast. We'll have to do a part two. Part yes. two. Yeah. You know, what would be, just in finishing off, like the sort of one little piece of supportive advice you might want to give to any midlife women who are listening now about their midlife sexuality and their midlife pleasure, embodiment? Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. Um, I know it's hard because there's so many things. but There's so many things. but. You know, I always tell um, women that, you know, our sexual pleasure does not have an age limit or an expiration date. But it actually, as I said at the beginning, actually gets an upgrade in, in midlife. And it really yes. all starts with you getting to know yourself um, and what lights you up. And it's, you know, we can be met with some resistance as I myself was met with. And uh, I think it's in that resistance, just leaning into that resistance, just a tiny, tiny bit. And that's what nervous regulation yeah. processes do, you know, that sort of um, titration, you know, yes. slow, a little it's bit slowly. at a time, a little bit at a time. Oh my gosh, just opens up a whole um, wellspring of pleasure. And so just having that sense of curiosity and compassion for yourself as you start this journey and get yourself a, a good, you know, sexuality coach, a good sex coach to, to sort of, you know, guide you and sort of be by your side along on, on the journey. So, yeah. um, and, and so. I, I, I just think, I mean, we don't talk about a lot of stuff, but my general thing with menopause is like talk to your friends about it oh definitely like it can be really lonely and I think if you've got friends going through it and just know that every menopause journey is unique because we are unique and it will bring to us what we need to focus on so that we can thrive in our second half of life and it's unique because we have our own healing to do and our own stories and so Sharing just helps women see different perspectives, hmm. right? Think, oh, kind of similar to what I'm going through, but different. Yeah, because we're we're different people, but it it stops isolating us. And to you know, like Gabriella said, that it's okay to get help and ask for help. And and both you and I have been on like a long journey of exploring ourselves physically mentally emotionally and sort of continue to do that and I think you know life is the life is for living but it's you know life's about learning and we never stop learning do we never never I love that I love that Kelly Thanks. and there's so and I especially in in the realm of pleasure and sexuality there is so much unexplored territory Very it's much. A, an open playground and that's what's so exciting about it and that's it is you have the whole second half of midlife to to play and explore you really do you really really do yeah thank you so much for coming on today thank you so much I really really enjoyed our conversation it's Me been too. a pleasure wow that was a really great conversation I hope that you enjoyed it if you would like to get in contact with Gabriella, you can find her on her website, which is gabriellaespinoza.com, and it comes up as Women's Body Wisdom. And her Instagram handle is Gabriella Espinoza. So two L's in Gabriella. I wanted to bring to your attention that my signature midlife course magnificent midlife will be opening for enrollment in the middle of july so this is a program for women where we look at midlife and menopause transitions from multiple perspectives to give you a really really rich understanding of what is going on keep your eye on it 
if you want to receive information via my email you can go to my website kellysterling.com and subscribe there's a little button down on the bottom to receive news about this my early birds opening will be in July and if you sign up in the early bird period you will receive a free one-on-one somatic experiencing session with me so I hope you enjoyed our conversation today please uh, give this conversation this podcast a five-star review if you enjoyed it so that we can share that information with other people have a fantastic week